Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13-21-91. Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you. As we're heading towards the weekend, we have got such a, a high-profile, busy next three hours for you on the show as we look forward to uh, talking to Danny Hay very shortly. Danny Hay, of course, the All-Whites coach. Yes, the date has been set. Uh, that match against Costa Rica has been confirmed. Uh, more from Danny very shortly. And then just after 9.30, uh, we'll be talking to Wayne Smith, who is now confirmed as the Black Ferns Director of Rugby. Uh, alias uh, head coach, I would say, uh, about the team around him, uh, about just where he's at, how prepared it was he to take on the role, etc. Uh, those are the kind of questions we'd, uh, we'll be asking him uh, after 9.30. So the first hour, uh, the two big, high-profile head coaches with massive tasks ahead of them uh, coming up very shortly. Carmo, the Carmo kid, Ian Jones, after 10 o'clock this morning, uh, when we look at uh, the Chiefs, how they're going. They've got a game tonight against uh, the Waratahs at 9 o'clock New Zealand time, but uh, we'll just take a look at us and put a full stop on uh, our side of things as well and perhaps talk to him uh, the disciplinary issue. I mean, he's a big guy, and it's the big guys that, that are getting in trouble, it seems, at the moment. A panel, Brad Lewis and Sam Ackerman this morning, so plenty of rugby league content there. There's uh, a big uh, clash for the Warriors against the Storm over the weekend uh, and other things to talk about. Uh, David Dome, he is the GM of the Wellington Phoenix. Okay, it wasn't so good last week in uh, Wellington, but how good was it to have them home? What's he looking forward to over the weekend? And what about uh, the future too uh, for the uh, for the Wellington Phoenix in terms of signings, retaining players, etc.? So David Dome, uh, just after 11 o'clock, uh, we'll be talking to Jenny Bartlett out of uh, the Greyhound Racing interview around about 11.20. Uh, Mick Guerin, of course, uh, about 11.45 in his usual slot with Harness Racing and a big one coming up over the weekend. So in the next three hours, pretty busy. Let's hope you can stay with us.
Well, a little bit of rock sand to start the, the show off this morning. Uh, but to, to begin in earnest, uh, we're really pleased to say that we've got uh, Danny Hay with us, the, the All Whites coach. Uh, it's now 90 minutes away from uh, his team uh, sending us to the FIFA World Cup final for the third time in our history and just standing between us, of course. And that goal is Costa Rica. It's been confirmed it will be on June 15th, New Zealand time. Um, and this morning we found out at least one of the teams they'll play in the lead up before heading to Qatar for the World Cup for the playoff uh, is that uh, Peru. So uh, that's good news that we've got something lined up there. Uh, welcome to the show, Danny. Great to talk to you. Uh, are you actually back in New Zealand? I mean, how long have you spent here this year? G'day, Smithy. How are you? A long, long time, no chat. But yeah, you're right. It's, <laughs> um, it's actually, I'm a little bit of a stranger in my own home. I think the uh, the family is... I've sort of taken a look and thought, who's this? Who's this weird man um, hanging about? Because <laughs> it, yeah, it's been few and far between, that's for sure. Well, you've been doing a great job because you've uh, had to. Uh, I mean, you've had to really tie a lot of things in together whilst you've been based overseas. I mean, that must have been an interesting task in itself. Yeah, it was. Look, it, it, it did give me the opportunity to um, get to Europe and. Uh, connect with a number of um, the players and their their club environments and their coaches, um, which which wasn't a bad thing at all. Um, but yeah, look, we've you know since the Olympics, it's been it's been great. We've we, you know we've had games, we've been busy, teams been active. Um, I think we're we're heading in the right direction. Um, the you know the environment we've created, the culture we've got going, I think is is one we can be really proud of, and I think the players are you know showing that out on the pitch. Right, okay, let's talk a little bit about Costa Rica. We know the time, we know the day. Uh, it's around about seven weeks' time, which uh, doesn't give you long, or does it Does it give you enough time? Well, I think the sheer fact that we've, you know, like I said, we've been we've been very active through the Olympics and obviously the back end of last year and now coming off the back of, um, you know, the Oceania qualifiers, we're, um, we're pretty familiar with each other. Um, and now, obviously, having Peru confirmed, um, we'll have a bit of time leading into that game up in up in Europe together, um, we're, and we're hoping to confirm another game uh, that will be announced hopefully shortly back in Doha. So we're going to get a couple of good opportunities to to prepare for Costa Rica. But you know they're 31 in the world. They're a, they're a good team, but um, you know we're not going to die wondering. We're going to give it a right 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 good go. Okay, let's look at Costa Rica and their style of football. Um, you you say you've confirmed Peru and hopefully someone else. Um, uh, as well, uh, is that a like-for-like like preparation? I mean, Peru, Costa Rica. What co- style of football did Costa Rica play? Yeah, look, we did um, done quite a bit of analysis already um, on, on Costa Rica for obvious reasons. But they're a, they're a big side. Um, you know, they score a lot of goals from from set pieces. Uh, so that's an area we're going to have to you know really arm up in uh, and make sure that we're we're not vulnerable. Um, to conceding soft set pieces, um, they're very good on the counter attack. Uh, and I think the thing about them is they're highly experienced. So you look at the age of their team, uh, the amount of caps they've got, the amount of time they've spent together. Uh, incredibly experienced, which is you know uh, quite a contrast to us. But that's part of the reason we're playing Peru. They're very much in a in a, in a similar boat. They're they're a highly experienced team. Um, huge amount of caps together. Uh, will also be dangerous from set pieces that people will remember when we played them uh, over in Peru in the second leg of the last last World Cup qualifying rounds. Um, so look, there's going to be some there'll be some real aspects that will that will transfer across. And 
I think the chance to play against somebody like Peru, 22 in the world, uh, with the quality that they possess, is going to we're going to find out a lot about ourselves and, and hopefully um, strengths and weaknesses, which will give us a, a good lead into to Costa Rica, which which obviously it's all about. Okay, and that match will be played in Doha, of course. Uh, that's a, a climate that's so far from removed from uh, New Zealand in particular and the UK, I would imagine. Uh, so you've got to get those guys uh, acclimatised somehow. What's the earliest you can get them over there? Yeah, so so we'll spend we'll spend um, you know the best part of ten days, um, twelve days in in Malaga in Spain, where we'll acclimatise. The nice thing is it has been confirmed by FIFA. Once we get to Doha, um, and obviously we know in June uh, the, the heat is going to be ridiculous. The conditions are going to be ridiculous. So. We will be playing in the brand new air-conditioned stadium. Um, that's one thing they have confirmed. So it's quite incredible, obviously, what they've been able to do over there in terms of preparing for the World Cup and the quality of the stadiums they've been able to build. Uh, and and so we'll be playing that game against Costa Rica in one of those. So they're saying it will be, you know, between 20 and 21 degrees. So it should be it should be okay for us. Right, Danny. Well, one of the issues in the lead-up tournaments, etc., has been availability of players. Uh, in terms of finding windows, etc., uh, this I understand is a window where you basically have your whole squad available to you. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. So it's, a, it's an official FIFA window where, from the 30th of May through to the, the 14th, the 15th, obviously the game, um, we, we we get all the players that that we want. So, look, I'm going to have to make some tough decisions around uh, naming the squad. Yeah, I think we've we've seen over particularly last year that we've got some young players that are starting to emerge and, and showing some real quality. Um, we're probably in a better position in terms of squad depth than we ever have been in the past. Obviously, I'm fortunate that we're we're not going to get Ryan Thomas. Um, you know, he's a player that is important to us, has a huge amount of quality, but he still has an ongoing knee injury and, and hasn't played any significant football for a very very long time now. So that's a real shame. Um, we're hoping that Sarpreet Singh will be able to, to uh, get back to full fitness in time. Hoping that he'll come and spend a little bit of time here in New Zealand uh, and we can do a little bit of work with him before we head over to Europe. So let's uh, look at the program for uh, whittling, whittling that, the squad down. I mean, for instance, how many players would you have used uh, in this campaign? Would you have any idea? Oh, look, I, I, actually, I don't know the exact number, but um, you know, we, we're talking next week... Um, to uh, a group of about 42 players, uh, so that just shows how many professionals we've got. You know, playing playing mainly overseas. Obviously, we've got a few with the Phoenix as well. Uh, it's nice to see them actually back on our shores as well. So yeah, we're in a, we're in a great space. And like I said, we're going to have to make some some really tough decisions. Um, it's not going to be easy. Some players are going to be disappointed. They're going to be left out, but. That's actually a sign of the, the space we're in at present, that we, we've got that sort of depth. So your program now would be, um, after you've talked to these guys, uh, obviously you won't have the, um, the availability to get them together um, too much as, as the squad that you would like because of their uh, commitments in Europe, etc. But uh, So h- how, do you, how do you go about whittling it down to what a final number of uh, 24 is or 23? Yeah, we'll, put, we'll probably end up taking 24 to 26 players, so we'll just see how that how that transpires. But look, you know, I guess the with modern technology, um, you know, the players can't hide. I get to see via Y scale, Instat, um, you know, various other mediums. I get to see 
every single game that they play. So there really, there genuinely is nowhere to hide. So we get to see the type of form they're in, um, how well they're playing, how well they're going to suit the way that we want to play. Um, obviously, keeping in mind um, the opposition that we're going to come up against, being, being mainly Costa Rica. Uh, so we'll, we've got, we, like I said, we've got some tough decisions to make around that. And players have got, you know, the best part of a couple of weeks now to really put their best foot forward, and they, you know, they're going to be reminded of that on Tuesday. This is really cutthroat. Uh, one game, uh, Danny, in the past, we've sort of had home and away clashes, etc., to get through uh, to that uh, final World Cup berth. Uh, do you like the cutthroat uh, side of things? A one-off on a neutral ground? Oh, look, I would have, I would have loved the opportunity to to bring this this young and exciting white side down to New Zealand and play in front of our home fans. I think um, I think all the players were excited about that prospect. I know New Zealand football were as well. So it's a real shame that we haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, but the reality is now it's 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 one game. It's 90 minutes and. You have probably a lot of people look at um, the world rankings and go, it's 31 against 101 in the world, and it should be an easy win for Costa Rica. But over the course of 90 minutes of football, I think we've shown that you know we can compete against against good sides. So, as I said earlier, we're not going to die wondering, that's for sure. Well, Oceania aside, um, you know where we quite often go into those qualifying tournaments as pretty warm favourites for, for obvious reasons, but. Quite often we play with that tag anyway, don't we? Uh, and we, we play with that, with that underdog yeah. tag. Yeah, and, and that's something actually we've spoken about as a team, that you know, we, we, want, we want to lose that. We want to lose that tag. We, we've got um, a real, real positive sense amongst this team, a real sense of belief. Uh, that, you know, and I think a little bit is around the youthfulness of us. Obviously, we've got um, some highly experienced players in here. Automatically, you think of the likes of Chris Wood and Winston Reid and the experience they bring. But by and large, we're a very young side. And with that comes that sort of mentality around no fear. And that's something that, you know, as, as a head coach, I've tried to enhance and try to play a, a, a different brand of football to probably what um, past all white sides have. I know definitely when I was a player, um, you know, we, we, we took a somewhat of a negative approach. I think we've shown particularly over the course of last year, that you know, we can play with some real courage and play a different brand of football that's a bit more exciting. So, Danny, you've had a long, a really long and experienced uh, career on the pitch as a player with uh, a number of, uh, of notable achievements. Uh, what about the coaching side of it for you? Uh, where does that rank alongside the playing side of things? Yeah, actually, funnily enough, I think I get more joy out of... Um, out of the coaching, and I know that it's it's not always the the easiest thing. You get, uh, you know, if the team's going well, the players are going well. If the team's performing poorly, that's the coach. So yeah, you know, it's a little bit cutthroat around around that aspect. But actually, I enjoy I enjoy being able to you know manage a, a wider group. As a player, you can be very selfish, and you can think about just yourself. Um, as a coach, you're obviously thinking about. Uh, multiple people, and I'm very fortunate. We've got a got a great great staff at the moment. But you know, I'm I'm enjoying the journey. Look, I'm I'm loving it. You know, it was something that I didn't think I was initially going to go into, and then fell into a role at Sacred Heart College and spent many years, you know, sort of developing as a coach. I've got to say, when I look back, I was pretty average to start with, and still got a player's <laughs> mentality. But uh, you know, that's it was the best thing I ever did was go into that that sort of real grassroots level. And, and sort of develop, and I'm still look. You know, I'm far from uh, uh, perfect. I'm I'm still learning and growing and developing. 
Um, but I think we're on a we're on a nice little journey at the moment inside New Zealand football. I look at uh, coaches. I love the body language of coaches, whether it's the NBA, uh, the Major League, uh, any any aspect. Yeah, we we get uh, <coughs> cameras and coaches boxes at rugby these days, rugby league. Uh, I look at you on the sideline, uh, Danny Hay, and compared to a lot of uh, European, um, South American type coaches, you look uh, relatively calm, almost as if you're not even there. For instance, I mean, is that really <laughs> is that the re- is that the real Danny Hay? Well, I think most people know it's probably not the real me, but I, I think that's that's you know it's part of it. You've you've I think if I'm if I'm controlling my emotions and and staying as calm as I can, then that will that will sort of bleed out onto the players. If I'm getting up in arms with everything and and showing far too much emotion, particularly negative emotion, then I think that that can affect the players. I look back myself as a player. Uh, and that was probably a big learning that I that I undertook from my time at Sacred Heart. I used to, used to kick every ball and F and blind that because I was so frustrated. But ultimately, I had to have a look at myself. And um, that was a change that I made. I think the players still know that you're, you're there, you're supporting them, like you're, whether they're going through a moment of adversity, you're trying to drive that and affect them, but, but in, a, in, a, in a positive way. Um, and like I said, I try to control myself first and foremost before you know you impact the players. I guess one of the things that you've, you'll be sitting on uh, on tender hooks really about now is, is injuries going forward. There's still a lot of football for a lot of these squad members to play, so uh, you really don't mm. want your phone to ring too often, do you? In that respect. Oh mate, look, honestly, I wake up every morning, and and I'll tell you, it's sort of it's heart in the mouth stuff. Um, just checking to to see that you haven't got any messages where, you know, somebody's fallen over. But you're right, there is still a lot of football to be played from a lot of these players. Um, so it's yeah, it's, it's literally touching every bit of wood around you to to hope for the best. Um, and look, the reality so, is something yeah. may pop up, but but I think the one thing we've done is develop quite a bit of depth inside the squad. So you know, hopefully somebody else can step up if that was to happen. So if I had to ask you right here and now, are you, are you really close? Are you, would you be closer? If, bearing in mind everyone available to you, which, was, which would be the perfect scenario, how close to a starting 11 would you be? Yeah, look, I think in, in my mind, um, pretty close, pretty close to that. Um, that said, there's, there's, you know, we just touched on it, there's still a lot of football, club football to be played by these guys. And when we get together and we've got games, you know, against Peru and then hopefully one other as well, one other very good quality game, you know, things can change. And particularly in professional sport, it can change quickly. So that'll come down to form, um, how, how players are feeling as well, you know, like the mental aspect um, leading into a big game. So ultimately we've got to be, as a coping staff, over all of that um, so that we can put, you know, the best 11 out on the pitch to give ourselves the best chance possible in making the World Cup. I mean, it's, it's incredible what's at stake. It's so exciting. It just could be massive for the country and for the game. Oh, I think uh, you summed it up beautifully there. I was, I was, uh, was going to ask you a final question. I don't need to because uh, I think you've really put it, you've, you've nailed it there. And, and uh, Danny, all I can say is uh, we're right behind you. Of course, you know that. Um, great to have you home. For, and I'm sure the family appreciate that as well. But uh, we're so looking forward to what's uh, coming up. And uh, uh, like you, we hope uh, we don't hear any news of any other defections and uh, you can get on and, and uh, attack this Costa Rican side uh, the way that you want to. Uh, good luck, mate, uh, and thanks for your time this morning. Good on you, mate. Great to chat again. Yep, Danny Hay there with us, folks, uh, coach for the All Whites, and now it's confirmed. Yes, it will be 
uh, June the 15th, New Zealand time, uh, out of Doha, we take on Costa Rica in a one-off, just a one-off, no home and away, it's a one-off scenario, win, go to the World Cup, lose, don't, simple as that. Uh, it is 9.22 here on SENZ, subjects uh, perhaps for texting today, Double eight, double three. you know the number, Double eight, double three. <coughs> what about our prospects, uh, now that we know the date, the time, the who? Uh, what chance in a one-off against Costa Rica? You heard the difference in the rankings. It's around about 70 places. Uh, what do you think? Have we got a chance there? Uh, also, um, very impressed with Danny Hay, listening to the, the cool, calm approach that he's got <coughs> on the surface anyway. And we're going to be talking to Wayne Smith very shortly as well. You've seen the, the makeup of the coaching staff now for the Black Ferns. Can we put the rest of it behind us and just get on now? How confident are you? Uh, that uh, the professor, as they call him, uh, running the cutter from the, the top. How close do you think uh, and how, how close will we be now? And are we, are we a chance? Are we a chance now that we've got uh, those people in the helm looking after us? It's 9.23 here on SENZ. It is 9.27 here on SENZ. And uh, just uh, the text line again is double eight double three. The, the subjects uh, we'd like to hear from you initially anyway. Uh, yeah, what chance the All Whites? That game against uh, Costa Rica on June 15th, New Zealand time, will be played in Doha in an air-conditioned stadium, we are told. And that, of course, is going to be the norm for the World Cup coming up. When uh, everyone heard it was going to be Doha, they said players won't handle it, spectators won't handle it, just too damned hot. Well, they spent some money, pumped a, a, a few more oil wells, and all of a sudden you've got uh, air-conditioned stadiums around the joint. So uh, that'll be a, an experience in itself, won't it? for the All-Whites, but it's a task, it's a real task, but uh, I think when it comes to one-off games, you've got to have, uh, I think, just a, a great team spirit, and by having the team, getting them together, they're going to play against Peru and possibly another opponent as well, um, it would have been uh, fantastic to think that uh, we might be able to get them uh, to play in New Zealand, but that won't be the case, I've just uh, got to moot the idea of perhaps playing Australia, they're in the same boat. I've got a playoff match as well um, and uh, through their particular zone. So it would have been nice to see if we could play off against them, but that, that doesn't appear to be the case. And because getting all those players from Europe all the way down to New Zealand, nigh on impossible. So uh, there's that the subject. What chance? What chance? Number 31 uh, against number 100, and 100 plus. Any chance at all? Uh, I think so. Uh, the other subject, of course, um, we're going to hear from Wayne Smith just after the 9.30 news. Um, now that he has been appointed uh, as the director of coaching for the uh, Black Ferns. Director. Director of rugby, actually. That's the official term. Director of rugby. What does that mean? Why isn't it just head coach? Might ask him that. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've got that subject. Is, are you happy with the makeup of that group? Are you happy with the makeup of that group? Uh, certainly there's a, a woman in there uh, in terms of the fitness, and Whitney Hansen comes in. Uh, to look after the forwards, we are told, with a bit of supervision from Micron. Uh, it is 9.30 here on SCNZ. Time for Araha with the news. Well, it's been one of the most talked about subjects uh, on radio, on TV over the last couple of weeks. But finally, uh, we have got a combination to take us through to the Women's Rugby World Cup, uh, which is uh, beginning in uh, around six months' time. So plenty of work to do. Uh, and it was confirmed yesterday that uh, Wayne Smith would be the Blackburns Director of Rugby. Uh, and he's joined us on the line this morning. Uh, good morning, Wayne. Morning, Smitty. Well, you've taken on some challenges uh, over the years. Uh, uh, this was uh, a slightly different one, mate. 
bearing in mind the time frame and everything. Yeah, no, it's been an interesting journey. Smithy, you know, I um, qualified for the pension on Tuesday and then I'm <laughs> director of rugby for the Blackburns <laughs> the next day. Uh, yeah, I offered my services a while ago to help the coaches and it's grown a wee bit since then. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited actually. I've got good support from my family to do this and, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get into it. Yeah, it's interesting because, of, of course, when you took the role on as in support, of course, uh, Glenn Moore was, uh, was all in, for all intents and purposes, going to be the head coach. Did it take you long to, to, to say, look, no, I'm pretty happy to take over? Um, yeah, given my, my initial conversation with something, this was back in about January, was something like, um, you know, I could, you know, if you like, I could help with um, some of the typical coaching with the coaches, do a bit of mentoring. Um, that sort of thing. So I was pretty keen to do that. There's that grown like topsy from there. Um, wasn't what I expected. Probably wasn't what I wanted at the time. But um, when I came to the first camp, I, I could see how excited everyone was. The, the girls on the edge of the seats when you're, when you're talking about stuff. They got shining eyes, but keen as. And yeah, I just think, I'm excited by doing it, but there's also a responsibility there, I think, to help get things cracking. Uh, let's look at who you've got alongside you, uh, Wayne. You've uh, put in there uh, Wesley Clark, who's been uh, with the Black Ferns for, on, uh, for around seven years now. Um, so what's Wesley's role within the group? Yeah, so Wes is going to be defence coach. Um, and I've got a long association with Wes, actually. So when I was coaching the, or helping Dave Benny with the Chiefs, back in 2012, 2013, 2014. We've started around then, and so he came, came to Hamilton a few times um, for some sessions with me on defence. So, we, yeah, we go back a long way. So he'll do that, and, and but, you know, I don't like pigeonholing too much, so his responsibility, or his key responsibility would be defence, but um, he'll work with me on a, you know, on, on turning defence into attack, um, a kicking strategy so that we can get the chase lines right. Then we've got Whitney Hanson, um, who's Steve's daughter, so she's had the education of a coach from the age of one. And she's, she's an outstanding prospect, I think, coming through as a, a woman's coach. She's now gone from being like an intern to, to the head forwards coach with help from Mike Cron, um, who's coming in from time to time and, and going to mentor us. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited. There's three of us. Um, we get on well. And we've got Crono in the background who's um, he's going to be helping. We've got pretty clear distinction of duties, but we also want to work together in each other's area, so it's good. Wayne, I just want I just wonder about the the fix. Everyone, were we slightly mis, um, misled by the results in the UK prior to Christmas? I mean, is it is it as, as big a fix as we imagine? Um. I don't think so technically or um, attitude-wise to, to playing a more attacking game. I, I think I think we've got that personality. You know, New Zealand's always, New Zealand rugby's always been great at reinventing itself through history. So I think there's that. Um, the, the big issue that I've seen from watching the games has been around um, conditioning. So, the, you know, you're getting girls from the England team and French team who have been in professional club competitions for a while, I think. England three years, so they're way ahead in terms of 
um, not having to work um, day jobs, um, having strong conditioning programs, and they're they a really good shape, and and so are the French, and there'll be others too, such as Canada and and America, who have a lot of girls playing in the Premiership in England, which is a professional competition. So I think, yeah, I think we're lagging behind, frank, frankly, in in that area. Um, it's whether we can catch that up um, to enhance the game we want to play. That that'll be the question. And uh, to do that, you've brought in uh, Amanda Murphy. Uh, tell us a wee bit about Amanda with the importance of, of what you've just said. Yeah, so um, we've got Craig Twentyman as a um, as a strength conditioning coach who's um, responsible for um, the team, but also getting around the country, around the hubs, to make sure that um, they're working hard with these girls. We've got a few fully professional contracts now. Um we, you know, we're hoping we'll get more and um, and get them up to speed. Yes, yeah, so our nurse come in. Um, so she's had a long association with women's sport, with women's rugby, and women's sport. She's an athlete herself. Um, we've got a lot of women actually in, in the organisation. People are saying, you know, oh, you haven't got enough women in the coaching, but you know, strength and conditioning, coaching. There's um, we have nutritionists. We've got um, a couple of physios. Um, so, so there are women here. Um, I'd just like to see um, progression of women's coaching uh, to be accelerated a bit, Smithy. You know, I often tell a story, but in 98, oh, sorry, 88 through to 91, I was um, coaching director for Canterbury Rugby after I'd finished playing. And I had a group of staff coaches, and three of my, three of my staff coaches who helped me with running coaching courses were women players for Jackie Apiaka and Natasha Wong and Mary Dovey. And no, that's a long time ago, mate. And they, they were very influential in, in rugby coaching down in Canterbury. It's a long time between drinks, but no no woman has come through as head coach recently. So I think we've got to progress that quickly. There's good women around the country. Um, we've got to fast track that at some point. Training camp, you said uh, they were on the edge of their seats and uh, the eyes were shining, which means they're pretty keen about what's coming up. Uh, aside from the conditioning side of things, uh, uh, are there other uh, technical issues uh, that, that you see that we're glaring from those uh, matches before Christmas? Well, I think we can um, we can play a really attacking game. You know, I have noticed um, with some of the one-on-ones that we've done, um, they like doing everything really well. Um, and what I mean by that, they don't like making mistakes. Whereas, you know, if, you're, if your training's difficult enough and there's enough new information coming in, then you've got to accept mistakes as a catalyst for learning. And so at, the, at this stage, I'm trying to work on that attitude. Have a crack at it. You know, make the pass and um, take the chance. And the other coaches are on the same page. You know, we're, we're trying to, Make them really confident to, um, to to make the play, and if it doesn't come off, have another crack at it next time. Unless you do, we're not going to get better at it. Wayne, what opportunities are you going to have uh, for matches, etc., leading up to it? What have What have you got mapped out so far? Um, so we we've already played the so last camp. We played a uh, men's team at it, uh, at Lincoln which was outstanding. They were really good. They were young, young guys. 
but I was really good at giving feedback to the girls until um, we trained against them and then we, the next day we played against them. So they were outstanding. I think we've got to do a bit more of that, get our comfort zone and, um, and play against you know stronger teams, more physical and, and faster. Um, we've got a big program coming up actually. Smitty, I, I haven't got the particulars of it. I think it'll be announced by World Rugby over the next 24 hours. But there's a program coming up which gives us some other international matches you know, leading into Rugby World Cup. So there'll, there'll be a fair bit to excite the country, hopefully. Well, we've had a, a women's domestic competition, of course, a brand spanking new one. It didn't have the duration that they wanted, but they, at least they got together and, uh, and Super Rugby all picky. Were you able to, um, to, to watch a bit of that or see some of that off tape with, to look at uh, the talent you've got to work with? And perhaps, you know, I mean, have you closed your mind in terms of, of your squad? I mean, is the book still open? Uh, book's definitely open for me because I only watched Rugby I picky as like you watched it probably. Um, I was just a spectator, enjoyed it. Uh, I never thought I was going to be in this <laughs> in this position, so I didn't look that close. So I'm having to catch up on all the girls. I've even had to have some pages printed with their photographs on them because um, yeah, it helps if you actually know who <laughs> don't know the girl you're talking to. So I'm at that stage really. Um, doing a lot of work on that. Um, I've looked more at their interview tours because um, scouting the other, the other teams is a big thing for me. So um, I've done a lot of work on that. But yeah, um, I've got them with an open mind. I think he was, I, I was outstanding. Um, I watched all, actually I watched all the um, World Cup cricket games on TV. I loved them, the women's game. I'm hoping that we can sort of ignite the country a wee bit like that was that was doing. Well, that you know, that, I found that absolutely um, fascinating uh, to watch the development of women's cricket, and, and um, as much as anything else, uh, Wayne. But I, I look forward to this competition because uh, you know this is one you know on our back doorstep, and, and having played in one uh, myself at home, uh, you've coached in uh, ones at home as well. Uh, there's slightly different aspect to it, and I, I think perhaps um, the girls have probably even though they've been so successful in, in various areas uh, on and off the field, I, I'm not quite sure they quite understand just how big it's going to be. Uh, and, and that, I think, can help yeah. when you're looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah, it can help or hinder. <laughs> uh, I think we learned over the years with the All Blacks how to make it help. And um, we were trying, that, trying to do the same with the girls, you know, and you just keep thinking, you know, a Rugby World Cup game at at um, Eden Park with 40,000 people there would be a unique experience for, for these women. And it'd be hell of an exciting. It'd be one of the top experiences I've ever had, I reckon, if we could achieve that. So um, that's the dream. What about uh, the format? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Basically just two venues. So it's not as if you're uh, packing bags and helping on planes all the time. There won't be any of that for this World Cup. Uh, and triple headers. Um, evenly spaced apart. So, uh, do you like that idea? Um, well, you know more about it than I do, Smithy. <laughs> I'm, even, I'm not even aware of it. I, I know it's in um, Auckland and Northland primarily, but different stadiums, so it's Eden Park and um, you know, different stadiums around the place. So, um, yeah, that's good. I, I, I guess COVID came into the equation there. Um, 
keeping people more um, less travel, I suppose, less plane travel, see all those sorts of things. I, I suspect um, I don't care where it's played, really. Yeah. So long as um, as long as we're competitive and we play great rugby, I'll be happy. From what you've seen, is it is it just England and France we have to catch up to? Um, we've got Australia, Wales, and Scotland matches that I see scheduled. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Canada and and USA are, are both going to be really strong. So they, they've got a lot of girls that play in the professional premiership in England, and so yeah, they'll be a hell of a threat. Any of the girls that come from that premiership going to be going to be you know professional and have done it for quite a while and so they'll be well conditioned. So yeah, I don't think it is just France and England. I'm going through the Six Nations games at the moment, so um, Scotland are, are really competitive. Um, watched them against France the other day when I've done some scouting. Um, Wales the same. Wales' first 10 minutes against England I thought were outstanding. Showed some real ability. Fell off the Precipice a wee bit when the conditioning hit in, but um, you know, they were pretty good. And Aussie, you'd imagine, will be strong. Um, so, yeah, there's, it's, it's, we can't have a fight just on a couple of teams. You know, they're, they're going to be some really competitive teams. And then the Fiji, you look at the Fijian team and the women's competition in Australia, um, they're really good as well. Mate, it sounds like uh, you've got plenty to do. I think we'll let you go and get uh, get your teeth into it. But uh, I mean, I, I I like the fact that you're you're relishing the opportunity, um, and, and it sounds good. And uh, even now, it, it sounds like we've got we've reached a point anyway where we we've we've put a full stop on something, and now we just go forward. Is that is that the way you see it? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, now we're all friends with um, Glenn and and Johnny Haggart. Um, I've made decisions. Oh, that's fine. We've now got a, a reduced group, but a close group. And yeah, I'm really excited by it. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, Wayne. And congratulations on the appointment. Um, and I think the whole country's going to go on the journey with you now that uh, now that the journey thanks, started. Yeah. Thanks, th- thanks for your time this morning. Yeah. It's been great. Right. That's the dream. Okay, thanks, mate. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We've opened up our uh, text lines, our phone lines, 0800 1508 Text has come in from Stephen. Good morning, Smithy. I think it'll be a very hard game. This is talking about the Costa Rica. Out of the last seven competitive games, they've won six and drawn one. But uh, like you say, it's a one-off game and uh, they will be very nervous having a, the favourites tag as well with so much at stake. I would imagine uh, there's a huge amount of passion in this country, but I don't think we quite understand uh, in some of those other countries just how important it is for them to get to the World Cup. So pressure on Costa Rica, pressure on them, absolutely, um, way more than perhaps uh, on our guys. Uh, the other thing was, uh, gee, Wayne Smith, uh, he's coming fresh. Talk about, uh, talk about starting from uh, scratch. Talk about uh, really um, the fact that the matter is uh, he's got very little preparation. He's watching tapes furiously, as you heard, um, and uh, he didn't expect this. He, he basically just offered his help, and now look what's happened. He is now the director of coaching, as you say, the head coach. So uh, what did you make of his thoughts there? Seems uh, they've got a lot of work to do, but I think if anyone can achieve it, he can. He's done it in the past. 
uh, but it's uh, quite a big quite a big hill that uh, they're just setting out on. So uh, that will be uh, very interesting as well. What are your thoughts uh, now that you've heard from uh, the director of rugby for the Black Ferns? Uh, the other thing um, that you, you might like to come in on is um, uh, is uh, you know uh, you're happy you're happy with the rest of them, uh, the rest of the makeup there. There's a, there's an obvious tie up there. Uh, with Wesley Clark, who was uh, married, I think, to uh, Dr. Farah Palmer. So there's a little bit of in-house stuff there. Steve Hansen's daughter, Whitney, uh, involved in the mix as well. And uh, the old boy, uh, he won't mind me saying that, Ted Henry uh, in the background there, just weighing up things and just popping in with uh, some stern, sage advice from time to time. Uh, sounds uh, as if, if uh, Wayne Smith is very, very happy with the, the mix he's got going with him on this journey. So, uh, And that's a John Mitchell cliche by the way so it's nine uh, coming up 9.54 here on SENZ in the mornings uh, we shall be back shortly with a multi Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month visit your local Polaris dealer today summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ you got to know when the Smithy's multi know when to walk away Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we're going pretty good yesterday. Philadelphia 76ers beat Toronto. That was a really close affair. Uh, the Sharks got up to beat Manly, as we know, last night. But the Mumbai Indians couldn't quite beat the Chennai Super Kings. So Stephen Fleming's men did us in late last night over there in India. So we missed out there. Uh, today, though, we've got a goodie. Highlanders to beat the Brumbies at a buck forty-five. Parramatta Eels to beat Newcastle at $1.38. Arsenal to beat Manchester United 2-0. They couldn't turn it around Manchester, could they? And Spurs to beat Brentford at $1.83. Uh, those four multied up. Highlanders, Eels, Arsenal, Spurs. Uh, they come up to $7.32. Massive weekend for football in Auckland. The Phoenix are on show. Uh, we'll be talking to David Dome after 11 o'clock. But after 10, it will be the Carmo Kid, Ian Jones. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is 10.03 here on SENZ. Uh, This weekend marks the first time since 2019 New Zealand Super Rugby teams will head across the ditch to face their Aussie counterparts. And after two seasons of New Zealand Super Rugby teams, uh, have been confined to Aotearoa, of course, we know that. Then the Chiefs will kick us off tonight uh, with a game against the Waratahs at uh, Amy Stadium in Perth. We're looking to capitalise on some momentum they established last week against the Moana Pacifica, but to be fair, it hasn't been a Chiefs-like season. There's uh, been a few little things go wrong, haven't there? Let's sort those out right here and now. Let's get into uh, Chiefs land and uh, no one better to talk to about than uh, Ian Jones, the Camo kid. Uh, who's uh, one of our SENZ brothers, of course. Uh, morning, Carmo. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Smithy, uh, um, very good. Morning to all your listeners. Yeah, isn't it good? Um, trying to get some different rugby. Not desperate to play the Australians because I love the local derbies, but it's nice for a change-up in the competition. It sure is, mate. Uh, hey, listen, before we get into Super Rugby tonight uh, in particular... Uh, it's been an interesting week in women's rugby. I'm sure you've been keeping your eye on that. Uh, Wayne Smith, now uh, a bloke you know very well, his methods you know very well. Uh, I just uh, I, I, I look forward to his uh, efforts with this Blackburn squad now. Are you happy with the coaching mix? 
Oh, you're very happy. I mean, I was very happy with Glenn Moore. I mean, I know what um, what great things he'd done, and, and he had to spend a lot of time with Glenn Moore. And I loved uh, the comments from Portia Woodman and her glowing reference to Glenn Moore. So I don't think we should dismiss what he's done um, over the last little while either. And you know, he's excellent. Um, and once more, Wayne Smith, Graham Henry, um, put their hand up for New Zealand rugby. Their wealth and knowledge, they know. They've got a mountain to climb, but they also know the timeline that they have to do it in, so they'll take it um, step by step, very process-driven. I think the girls will you know, glean so much information um, off them um, and and you know, look forward to the Rugby World Cup, but uh, this is a, another step. It's not a rebuild um, because, as I said, I know it wasn't a great tour, let's be honest, smoothie, but you know, COVID had a lot to do with that. Um, but let's not dismiss what Glenn Moore has done for um, women's rugby in this country as well. Yeah, I, I think that uh, shouldn't be forgotten either, and uh, I hope the, the people in the right places have acknowledged that uh, at the right time recently too. Uh, the other thing that of interest to me um, in Super Rugby that I've been watching, and uh, it's occurred on both sides of the Tasman, is the red cards, usually because of contact. Now, you're a big guy. Uh, Kama, you're a tall guy. Uh, you've carried the ball into tackles. You've had to make tackles on, on smaller individuals for most of your career as a player. Uh, but it seems to be a bit of an issue now with shoulders and heads and that sort of thing. Uh, what, are we, what are we looking at? What is the problem here from your perspective with the big guys on the little guys? Well, I mean, I don't even think it's a problem. Smithy, rugby's a fluid game. It's a contact game. Things happen. And the red cards we've seen... Um, in, in recent weeks, I don't want to go all old school, and I'm not trying to dismiss the importance of safety here one little bit, but these are without malice, unintentional contact into head. Um, it happens in a fluid moving game. To me, in my mind, and it may be too simplistic, um, but that's the way my mind works, red cards for me are for foul, intentional play. Um, a stomp on the head, a punch, a, a late shot, uh, a swinging arm. Things that are intentional can often um, you know, they can pull out of, or, or, or you know, you, you are premeditated. Um, that's what red cards, in my mind, were designed to eliminate from rugby. Um, now we're getting occasions where, for whatever reason, and when we go into contact, um, the person with the lower body position wins the contact. I mean, it's just simple physics of, of what's happening in the rugby field, right? And sometimes the ball carriers are going high. Uh, the tacklers, for some reason, are maybe slightly lower. They'll win the contact um, for whatever reason, some movements and mitigating circumstances. A shoulder may come in contact with the upper part of the body, you know, shoulder, head. Terrible, uh, and it looks terrible. But most occasions, if these guys are conditioned for it, um, no, no malice was intended and no harm has been done yet. We're getting these red cards, which you know um, has become a real big debate. So that's the way my mind thinks about it. Um, but yeah, that's not the referee's fault. Let's, let's put that out there. It's absolutely not the referee's fault. It's the laws at the moment, um, and yeah, they will be adjusted, no doubt, over time uh, with the, the, the referees and uh, everyone working through it. But uh, at the moment, this is what we have to live by, um, and that's what we have to um, adapt to. I think that's a big talking point to adaptability. Um, mm. a talking point we'll talk about when we talk about the Chiefs taking on these Australian teams, adaptability. Okay, well, uh, we spoke to Tim Horan yesterday. We spoke to Mertz a little earlier in the week. 
Um, and uh, they both intimated they believed on the evidence they've seen on both sides of the Tasman that the gap might have closed a wee bit. Is that uh, between the two nations in terms of this level of rugby? Is that what you're seeing or not? Well, you'd hope so for the competition. We, you know, a predictable competition gets really boring competition. So we want uh, to be, be a lot of competition between these two uh, two nations playing super rugby. Uh, that's what I talk about for the Chiefs, the adaptability. They'll have their mind a couple of years ago how the Australian teams played, and you can see it on the videotape how you think they're going to play. But until you're actually out there in the heat of the battle in the 80 minutes, and the opposition are coming to you with a game plan that you may not have expected or you may not have experienced in the past, that's when you have to adapt. And I think uh, it's only a very minor criticism, but you talked about the Chiefs' um, you know, season so far, and yes, they've had some great highlights. The way win in Christchurch was a brilliant highlight, but when teams have come at them, uh, the Blues and Crusaders and Hamilton with a different picture, they haven't adapted quite as much. I think that's um, what, what the Chiefs will need tomorrow night in Melbourne. Have a game plan in mind, and we know Clayton McMillan is brilliant at laying down a game plan The people, the players, understanding what they have to do. That's a real hallmark, and we can see that. But if the Borotars come at them from a different angle, throw more numbers at the breakdown, the Chiefs have to be able to respond quicker, in my opinion, um, to, to what they have done in their, their losses to date. Um, and adapt up in the field but um, it's great that we're playing the first game we can really set the benchmark we can you know, come at them full noise we can bring speed, we can bring physicality we can bring intensity, we can set uh, the tone for the, a great weekend ahead I think it's a great opportunity for the Chiefs Well what you can't uh, do is uh, field a team that includes Brody Retallick, Anton Leonard-Brown Josh Juani and now Brad Weber and Sean Stevenson uh, that is a serious amount of class uh, not available to Clayton McMillan at the moment. Yep, absolutely. But that's what the depth of squad and the size of squad is all about. I never stress too much, maybe I have to say, when um, and, you know these star players, they do make a difference. But when they're not available, you can't quibble too much about that. you got 15 Chiefs out in the paddock. They're picked to, to do the job, and now the guys the task in the job and people really step up. I mean, I was a little bit nervous. I have to admit, at the start of the season, our depth at nine, but this young kid, um, Cortez Ratama, has really impressed me. He's seamless, really, so brings something different to Brad Weber. So no, no question there. I know we've had some changes in the midfield, but, you know, Quinn Tupai now out in the wing, but, boy, he's been brilliant um, at 12, uh, with Nankerville at 13. So, you know, we haven't really missed too much about Leonard Brown. He'll bring a lot to it in, in the latter stages if he can indeed play, which doesn't look likely. And, you know, the locking partnership of um, Josh Lord, who's been brilliant um, in Tuvavai, he's been bringing something different on the Brody attack. So you, you play with the, the hand that you dealt, Smithy. Um, and I think those guys that have stood up in those jerseys have, have done done brilliantly. Well, Tipu Vai is an interesting one, um, Karma, because they've been mixing and mingling a wee bit with his positional play. Uh, where, do you see him basically as, as a, a future all-black lock specialist as such, or, or one of those uh, guys that can uh, drift from four or five to six? No, I don't see him drifting, to be honest with you. I don't see any players drifting uh, with any great success, maybe because of the mindset um, that you really have to hone in either your role as a, as a tight lock or your role as a blindside flanker. 
think Clayton McMillan had to kind of play him at six if you necessity at the start of the Super Rugby campaign. They've now got Luke Jacobson back in that sixth position, which is brilliant. Um, so the loose forward make-up would have to be the best the Chiefs could put out, I think, in 2022. So no, Tupo I think, has got the mindset and he's got his head around his position at lock, um, building up a great partnership with, with Josh Lord or Broderick Halleck when he comes back. So that, in my mind, is where he should um, concentrate all his um, resources uh, or his energy uh, into that role. And that's why I assume he will stay both for the Chiefs campaign, that they've got players back on deck and the loose forwards, and for the All Black campaign. Peter Gus Sawakula, how good this season? Well, he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant until teams like the Blues um, double-teamed him um, and didn't allow him to get over the game line. And that's what we talked about, adaptability once more. The, the Chiefs have to work out a way when one player, Peter Gus, say, can't get over the game line, that front foot ball, how they can adapt, like a Luke Jacobson or someone needs to stand up and, and, and do that ball carrier. So, yeah, he's been very good um, operating off a very solid scrum so they can get that tight head side up. He can make some big metres um, running wide and running right of, of the, the, the the scrum. But if he can't do that, someone else has to do that. So now I've been, been loving his energy, uh, loving his physicality, clearly. Love um, any player who plays a game with a smile on his face. And that's exactly what he's been doing. So if he can continue to do that, and once more we get back to the olive brink physicality of this this. Waratah's side, they absolutely need to bring that intensity that this Waratah's side haven't seen this year. We talk about the difference uh, in style and, and we're looking forward to playing the Australian sides. Well, we've got to make sure the Australian sides don't look forward to playing us. We've got to make sure that we bring so much energy, so much excitement, so much intensity that they go, holy hecka, uh, this thing's going to be much fun for the next month and, and the Chiefs have a chance to establish that early and then really tighten the screws and, and, and put it to them. I'll just run through the fixtures and you can give us a, a, a quick uh, reason who's going to, you think is going to win and why, if you like. Uh, so Waratah's Chiefs tonight, 9 o'clock, uh, kicks off a busy weekend. So uh, how do you feel uh, uh, the Chiefs perhaps over the Waratahs or the gap closed big time? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I absolutely think the Chiefs over the Waratahs. I mean, one thing I've got to say about the Waratahs, how look at the Leeds Ford Trio. They've got uh, Michael Hooper back, so they've got to be really respected. I'm looking forward to seeing how the big Welshman, Jamie Roberts, goes into the centre. Um, I haven't watched a lot of him at Super Rugby, so that's pretty exciting. And they do score a lot of tries, Smithy, from uh, this rolling wall um, Clearly, so the discipline, and the Chiefs are very disciplined side, but they're disciplined around that kind of 30, 40 metre line. So, and, and particularly in the channels, it's got to be spot on for the Chiefs. Don't give them the opportunity to kick into the corner um, and set up that rolling wall. But um, no, I absolutely go the Chiefs in that game. It's going to be great to see. Blues are setting the bar higher and higher each week, uh, that performance against the Crusaders. Uh, well, it's quite outstanding yeah. for uh, about 70 minutes last week. They're playing the Drua. This could be a little bit ugly. Well, it could be, but let, let's remember, and you know this in all sports, and you've seen this countless times in any tournaments you've been um, commentating on and seen yourself. When you come from such a high, uh, like the Blues did in Christchurch last week, you know, put so much energy into that week, so much intensity into the 80 minutes, it's actually bloody hard to replicate it the following week. 
I mean, history will tell you on countless occasions, in countless sports, it's very hard to back that up. So this is a, a game, I don't expect the same intensity from from the, the Blues. Let's hope for the same accuracy, which would be great, which would be enough to get the win. Um, but I don't think it's going to raise to the heights of that Crusaders game. Uh, but I think they're going to be good enough just to cross the paddock to, to get the job done. Hurricanes Reds, coached by Brad Thorne, of course. Yeah, that, now this is, yeah, coached by Brad Thorne. And, and when this, any player has an mentality like Brad Thorne, it's got to be well respected, doesn't it? Um, and, and I guess what the, the, the I'm going the Hurricanes because I will just clearly just go all New Zealand sides. So it's a, a lay down this year for me. But this is one that you'd have to uh, debate pretty pretty strongly if you're betting with your heart rather than your, I mean, with your head rather than your heart. But I think hopefully what the, the Hurricanes can do is just speed of delivery. You know, the speed of TJ Perinar getting to the breakdown of that turnover ball and just stressing and stretching the Reds' defensive line, I think that's going to be the key. So they'll play a lot of rugby, I think, the Hurricanes. Um, if they can play some rugby some real, with width and speed, they'll get the job done there. Highlanders, Brumbies, I think this is a, a real barometer game for me. Uh, the Highlanders, I think, uh, well, they're 1-7. Um, I think they're better than that. I think we all think that. But uh, the Brumbies have been there or thereabouts, as always, but at the top for a while here in, in Australia too. Yeah, look, we have to respect Australian rugby, don't we? We have to respect um, you know, the Brumbies for what they've done, um, how they perform, how they're coached, how they're managed as well. And this, once more, is a game that's really going to stress our, our trans-Tasman friendships, isn't it? You know, the Reds are potentially good enough to get the job done against the Hurricanes with on Gold McCain's and got to say the same for the Brumbies. Might sound fairly arrogant, me sitting here going, a, you know, a straight win for, for New Zealand sides, but that's just kind of the way I am and that's the way I'm hoping. Um, and I'm not putting any money down on it, me, which is another thing I'm just chatting to you on the radio, but um, the Highlanders will be absolutely under the pump in this game. The Brumbies um, would no doubt over there go into this game as favourites, um, but they're not too far away, the Highlanders, and we know in any game uh, lasting the durations, they're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? The Highlanders are a gutsy outfit, yeah. um, very well coached, clearly um, prepared. So let's hope that they, they can get the job done, but boy, you, you wouldn't put your house on it. Okay, Camo, uh, fantastic chatting with you, mate. Uh, look forward to the Chiefs Waratahs uh, nine o'clock tonight. Fantastic weekend of rugby coming up. Cheers for your thoughts. Yeah, thanks very much, Smithy, and congratulate Super Rugby. I know they wanted to do this early on in the, in, in the year, they couldn't. But what a great initiative, and let's hope uh, we can fight hard for next year. And Auckland to be anywhere for, for the Super Round to be here in New Zealand. Good on you, mate. Uh, always great to catch up. Ten twenty here on. SENZ, and uh, we have a panel coming up next. On SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Got Sam Ackerman with us this morning and uh, Brad Lewis. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you if I can, and we might as well start with a bit of the old rugby league, shall we? A big weekend, of course, being Anzac weekend and uh, the Warriors against the Storm. What chance? Uh, always some, but I, I feel muted uh, with it at the moment after watching uh, Cameron Munster bamboozle football players like they were schoolboys. Uh, I, I just the Warriors team 
that I saw in the weekend. I know a lot's been said about the officiating, uh, but the point remains that the Warriors didn't take all the advantages that they could have, and they, they still let in tries that they shouldn't have. They still um, came up with plays that they shouldn't have. Uh, so they can only control what they can control. And against a team like the Storm, who we talk about a great history uh, with them, and they will always be, uh, along with the Broncos, the iconic opponents. Uh, but I'm not... I'm not filled with confidence that this will be a, a victory uh, this weekend. But that said, the Warriors have proven themselves to be competitors so far uh, for much of the season. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's definitely a chance, but uh, I'm not going out and throwing a mortgage payment on it. And are you looking forward to Mitch Barnett lining up in Warriors colours? Yes, I've been an admirer of his uh, as a um, as a back rower for some time now. So I, he's wholehearted, and that's what I like in my back rowers. It's the in the uh, the Michael Luck, uh, Josh Curran style of guy who will just give you everything. So uh, I'm fine with that. He's a guy who uh, hasn't ever to me seemed like he's got anything other than a good footy culture and want to give everything he can. So I've, I've always been uh, a fan of his in the nights, and I think he will be a good fit into what the Warriors actually need. We've seen them pick up a few players that don't necessarily fit that mould. They are just decent footy players or uh, players who are available. Uh, I think he is the kind of guy that if I was in a recruitment position, if I heard he was on the open market, I'd want to chat. Mr Nice Guy Cameron George has contacted Phil Gould and said we can lend you some players for this weekend. So he should. Um, the Warriors put their hand out um, and put their hand up when they were struggling in the uh, the throes of COVID when we had players um, stranded on different sides of the Tasman and all, all those dramas. The Warriors uh, kept afloat by the kindness of uh, of some other clubs, uh, letting players like uh, the likes of Hedrington and Jennings come play for uh, the club over short-term positions. We're not talking about uh, saying, hey, do you want Sean Johnson or, hey, can we hand you um, Reese Walsh for a, for a week? We're talking about the players that aren't playing first grade. So if they're not playing first grade for us right now, we're talking about filling a one- to two-week hole of getting a chance to play first grade and be exposed uh, in, uh, to another team and uh, pick up some skills. And I'm all for it. Uh, Phil Gould obviously has a strong relationship with the Warriors for, with his time um, there over the past um, 18 months or whatever it was. So... It was a, uh, a a smart decision to put your hand up because <laughs> the last thing the Warriors would want to look is petulant going no 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 we're not we're not going to give you any of our any of our players it's the Bulldogs putting their hands up it's not the rich trying to get richer if you know what I mean in the uh, results and playing column so it is the right move to do. Okay, uh, joined also by uh, Brad Lewis this morning. Brad, uh, big weekend for boxing fans and Tyson Fury up against Dillian White this Sunday. What are you expecting? Uh, yeah, massive fight. Great to talk to you, Smithy. Great to hear Sammy's voice. Uh, massive fight, uh, Smithy. Uh, got, a, got a sort of lean towards Tyson with this one. Uh, potentially his last fight. He's kind of indicated that this week, although I think it's a bit of a power play to get him that last big payday against Joshua or Usyk later in the year. But I just, with, with this fight, you, you feel like Tyson's just too good everywhere. He's too big. He's too strong. Uh, everything that Dillian White is good at, Tyson is better at, like sort of that dirty boxing um, and, and, the, and the rough stuff. I think he's probably got a bit more power than Dillian as well, and he's got a better chin and better better cardio. So I think if, if Dillian's sweet spot in this fight will be the first three rounds, if Tyson can survive that, much like he did in the Deontay Wilder fights, I think it's it's a fairly easy night at the office for him. He's the greatest heavyweight of the last 25, 30 years, and I think he'll continue to prove that uh, this weekend. 
Will he continue to prove it after this weekend, though? That's uh, been a bit of a talking point too, Brad. Mm. Yeah, so look, um, Tyson's retired once before, right after he beat Klitschko uh, and uh, took some time off, followed the England football team around the World Cup and stuff. But look, I, I think the lure of, particularly if Anthony Joshua wins the rematch against Alexander Yusek, uh, which is, is highly debatable that he would, that that is that'll be the biggest fight um, that you could make in boxing would be Joshua and Fury for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Um, you could sell Wembley Stadium out three three or four times over. Uh, those two guys got on the ring together uh, in London. Uh, it's it's it, Eddie Hearn. Um, the dollar signs would be spinning. Um, same with Tyson Fury's team. Uh, it's 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 a mega fight. It would be a mega card. And uh, I think what Tyson Fury's doing here is he's he's setting an early sort of signal out that he's going to be the A side of the negotiation. And if they want the fight made, they're going to have to go through him. Interesting. Okay, uh, we're going to take a short uh, news break, fellas. Uh, stay with us, please, if you can. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Wayne Smith and his new job uh, after the break. Um, in the meantime, here's uh, Araha with a news update. Talk, big opinions, the panel. We have Brad Lewis with us this morning, and we also have Sam Ackerman. Uh, Sam uh, Wayne Smith, we had him on a little while ago talking about his new role as the director of rugby for the Black Ferns. Uh, I'm not quite sure why isn't he just uh, the head coach, but that's the tag they've been get, that he has been given. And uh, from all accounts, he's starting from scratch, knows not much about it. Yeah, look, it's probably the, uh, the probably printed the business cards um, already, um, Smithy. Before <laughs> Glenn Moore resigned, so why, why change the title? But it, it, we know, you know that he is at the helm of this uh, this ship. Uh, it does give you a little bit more confidence than perhaps if they'd gone some of the other um, the other routes that w- could have been possible in this scenario. Look, there are worse things in the world than when a team is going through turmoil to have someone like Wayne Smith. Uh, come in. Yes, he doesn't know the uh, the players and the training style. There's a lot to learn. I think he said he's got 180 odd days. That's plenty of time. Uh, and for someone like Wayne Smith, uh, who will keep things relatively simple, uh, he's not going to come in and uh, and try to reinvent the wheel in, in a huge way. The, the main thing, the number one thing here, is that the players. You can imagine these women will be filled with that kind of sense of confidence that change is happening. Uh, but that change involves one of the, the most admired, uh, respected and successful coaches uh, in New Zealand history. And then you throw in names like Mike Cron and Sir Graham Henry being involved. My concern mm. is that uh, the the Black Ferns have their own identity. And uh, I, I believe Wayne Smith's a smart man to make sure it stays that way. This is all about player buy-in from now on. I, I, I kind of got the feeling that the, that the Black Ferns enjoyed being Black Ferns and they wanted to represent the country, but they didn't buy into what the, the team was at that time. That's a blank slate, and um, I think Wayne Smith's smart enough to listen and make sure that it's uh, got, they've got the players on board because that's what this team needs in a World Cup year, is to come in short. Think of the Jacinda Ardern effect, right, when she came in as leader of, of Labour. She's got to set the culture and listen to what people want rather than stick with things that were stuck, and here, here she is still leading the team uh, of Labour as, as they go on. This is Wayne Smith's chance to go in, listen, and give them what they want, let go of the reins and make sure these players are feeling committed to this cause, so uh, I'm I'm comfortable with the situation, but you know it's still a, a, a big ask for whoever comes in to turn around what's been there. Yes, Brad, we spoke to uh, Wayne Smith this morning. Uh, as initially, he said he rang them and said, "Look, I can help out if you need me," uh, and then all of a sudden, he's uh, the head charang. 
Uh, are you happy with the team he's assembled as well? We're looking at, at uh, Whitney Hanson in there as well, and Wesley Clark, who, of course, is married to Dr. Farah Palmer, which uh, has caused a little bit of a question or two during the week. The potential for nepotism there, but by all accounts, Wesley Clark more than qualified to be involved in this. Coach said that Whitney Hanson's paid her dues uh, over the course of the last few years in, in domestic rugby. And I think the key name that, that Sam mentioned was Mike Cron. Like, here, here's a guy who revolutionised like forward play and scrummaging and set piece and, and men's rugby. And I think you know him bringing that, that steel to, to the women's team. Um, and, and Sam mentioned another key word, which is confidence. You surround yourself with Wayne Smith, Mike Cronza, Graham Henry, uh, Whitney Hanson, who's someone, you know, Kendra Cox said this morning coming out and said she's respected throughout the entire women's game um, and she's a career coach. And Wesley Clark also respected. You're putting confidence around this team, confidence that has been smashed out of them in the last year and a half um, through no play with COVID and then that horrible tour last year. And look, do I think they, they're going to win the World Cup? I don't. I think England and France have a two-year head start in terms of professional rugby. Those are the teams to beat, and I just don't think you can turn around a 30, 40-point hiding three times over in this short of time. But do I think they're going to be a better side than had Glenn Moore been in charge? Absolutely. Wayne Smith is a successful coach. He's proven he's a winner. Um, he was part of one of the greatest coaching trios New Zealand have produced. Won, he's won two World Cups as an assistant. And there's good people there, and, and I think he's surrounded himself with the right people. And the team will have that confidence moving forward. Yep, well, I won't uh, have any excuses, I, I feel, in terms of the coaching set up there. And the good, the good news for me is that they've put a full stop on the last saga and they can now uh, fairly and squarely uh, start going forward. But um, everyone, um, uh, Sam, though, everyone and some of the players, some high-profile players have uh, been quick not to forget the contribution of, of uh, Glenn Moore as well. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. It wasn't uh, a player revolt against Glenn Moore. This was so that there will be, to some extent, a divided locker room, not towards the new coaches, but they, but towards each other. They weren't all pulling in the same direction, which is what I'm talking about with Wayne Smith being a smart man, about making sure that reset is hit and allowing this culture to be developed internally. Let them come up with the answers because they need to find a way of all pulling in the same direction. Um, so, yep, Glenn Moore, uh, with what you think about the, the final outcome, he certainly has played a, a role in uh, in a lot of these women's career, as he has for a lot of um, men's career as well. So he is a coach that is uh, will have his supporters, uh, and I, I'm sure there's uh, many players who are better players from his involvement, and we know there's some that aren't. Uh, and, and that's not because of players, because of emotional um, uh, their own emotional well-being. So the, the, this change had to happen, whether, uh, whether he's in the right or the wrong, because the team was not in the right headspace because of his presence. It had to happen. I'm really comfortable that uh, that they've got the right people involved to move away from that. Like Brad put it perfectly, this is about getting away from that chapter. It's about moving on to the next thing. Any kind of carryover with the same crew was always going to lead to a bit of that. So um, they're giving, giving themselves the best chance. And I think that we just will be excited to see the Black Ferns play footy that they're enjoying. Whether they win the tournament um, is a complete different debate, as Brad debated. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, Super Rugby this weekend. Uh, fellas, uh, Brad, I can start with you and this bizarre story coming through 
uh, about more disappointment for Moana for Pacifica and Aaron Major as if they haven't had uh, enough setbacks already, being the new the newbies on the block. But uh, calling for greater respect uh, because the players actually found out that their game this weekend uh, against the Force has been postponed. They found out on social media. Yeah, ridiculous. It's not wrong, and and like we've brought up Moana Pacifica conversations with you uh, almost every week. Like it seems that they're getting pulled in different directions. Um, to me, it's ridiculous. And Aaron Major's been around a long time. He's no fool, and uh, I think he knows when his team's been ripped off a little bit. And if he's coming out and saying he feels disrespected, then I I I, I trust that that's that's exactly what's happening. And uh, it just feels this season's kind of been a train wreck for them, right? Like they just COVID kind of hit them three or four times before the season ever started. Um, they've been super competitive, more so than I thought they would be in, in numerous games this season, um, sort of fading in the last 20 minutes of, of some games. I think on the field, they've been probably better than we, we thought they would be, given um, the stuff that happened to them at the start of the season. But, yeah, I definitely think that more attention needs to be paid for them. And if this had happened to the Crusaders, the Blues, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, you know, the Highlanders, um, there'd be massive uproar about it. And, uh, yeah, definitely there needs to be some focus put on them and there needs to be an investigation into why this happened. Uh, I just wonder, Brad, if you look at the draw this weekend, scratch that one, of course, Chiefs, Waratahs, Blues, Drawer, Hurricanes, Reds, Highlanders, Brumbies, Crusaders, Rebels. I just Is there a scope for an upset there? Reds, I would say, um, for sure. Uh, um, they have looked pretty good this season. I mean, they've looked good the last two or three seasons. Uh, and, and the Brumbies have been impressive this year as well. But Smithy, again, like they're, they're playing Australian sides, right? So we're just not sure how good they are. For all we know, the Highlanders and the Hurricanes could be the fourth and fifth best teams in this competition. Um, we just don't know until these teams play these crossover games, which is the exciting thing about this week, I think. The Blues have kind of lucked out a little bit on their draw, um, getting um, probably the easier game of the cross games, um, coming off the back of that magnificent game last weekend uh, so so I guess they're in a, a good position but uh, yeah that, that's the interesting thing about this week is we're going to find out if the Australian teams have improved as which is the feeling that's coming out of Australia they do feel like they're at a different level than what they were have been in the past. Okay let's look uh, very quickly too uh, Sam at the NRL over the weekend and of course it's Anzac weekend so uh, I would imagine the Broncos should thump the, the makeshift Bulldogs, shouldn't they, tonight to kick it off? You'd, you'd hope so. Um, the Broncos would be in a bit of trouble if they can't put away a team that can't that can't field a team. Um, so the Brisbane have been a real funny team to watch this season so far. They have moments and they look like the Brisbane that was uh, collapsing last year, and then they've got games where they are uh, they're digging deep and they're having uh, they're coming up with the type of efforts that. Um, that you know, Kevin Walters was able to get out of uh, his origin teams. And, and the, that juxtaposition shows you that this team is still one on the rebuild. Nothing is a given. And I, I'm waiting for the Bulldogs to click in the gear. It won't be this week. This will not be the way. If, if they can suddenly uh, get through and become uh, world beaters when they've got all these players out, then fair play to them. And we have seen, actually, the Broncos, ironically, uh, in the past, uh, when they've been missing all the origin players, the teams that dubbed the baby Broncos have come up with some amazing performances and launched careers uh, in those circumstances. So, you know, look, rugby league can always offer that, but I will be back in the Broncos every day on this one. So what's the game outside the Warriors, uh, game against the Storm, which uh, incidentally is 9 o'clock Monday night, so it's the last cab off uh, the rack. Uh, what game over the weekend would you be uh, looking forward to be watching in the, in the draw? 
Uh, I'm strapping in for Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm watching uh, both games back-to-back. Uh, Knights versus Eels uh, with the Caelan Ponga situation cleared up. The Knights, hot and cold, can run. You know, they can they can give everything and then sometimes run off the place and the Eels are in the same vein. Uh, I think entertaining footy being played there. Uh, and I think uh, the Panthers are just a joy to watch. I don't think Canberra's going to beat them, but I think Canberra is a team um, that, again, has a uh, intestinal fortitude to not want to bail on this team, bail on this game, but I expect the Panthers to run away again. But th- those are the games outside the Warriors game I'll be most looking forward to this weekend. Have a great weekend, Sam Ackerman. Uh, and same to you, Brad Lewis. Thanks very much for being uh, on the panel for us uh, this Friday. Um, and uh, there will be uh, and more panels, of course, uh, next week as we, we get into our work. So uh, Sam Ackerman, Brad Lewis there, thank you very much for your forthright thoughts on those various matters. Uh, we'll get, take a very short break, uh, and then we'll come back with some text. But uh, I got one from John, just saying, down, uh, John says, Smithy, well, he didn't even say Smithy, I think he's a bit shitty with me, actually. Uh, Thanks for asking Carmo about the Crusaders-Rebels game. Not. Well, the truth is, John, we ran out of time, but... You know our number. Uh, John, give us a call, 0800 And uh, after this break, I'd love to have a chat to you about what you think about the Crusaders and the Rebels. Go on, John, give us a call. ENZ. It is 10.50 here on SENZ. I asked John to ring, and he is obliged. John from Christchurch, a devout Crusaders fan. Uh, good morning to you, mate. Thanks for making contact. Uh, Crusaders, Rebels tonight. What are you thinking? Yeah, thanks for the apology, Smitty. It's very good of you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> oh, the Crusaders, no. Sunday, yeah, no, that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing Jack Goodhue out there in the centres. First time in about 14, 16 months, I think he's played footy. George Bridge at fullback's going to be interesting. Um, I don't think the Rebels are going to be a pushover either, quite frankly, just because they're Aussies, I guess. Sam Whitelock's back too. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, and, and that new boy, that lock, because you can tell that old um, Razor's started to beef up the forward pack with a couple of big boys in there. The new lock, I can't remember, he's not Josh, is it? The new boy? No, Zach, last Zach Gallagher. Zach, Zach Gallagher is yeah, his Zach name. Gallagher. Yeah, Zach Gallagher. He's a big unit. and No, it, yeah, but I think that if we don't come away with a bonus point, I think he'll be disappointed. He'll, Consider that a bit of a disappointment, quite frankly. Okay, so, so, so John, you're firmly in the favour of the Crusaders, but uh, by maybe 13 or 12 and under, maybe that. Oh, no, I, no, I think we'll be 13 plus. Okay. I think. Good on last, you, mate. I think these last 20 is going to hurt them. Good on you. I look forward to it. Thanks. Uh, I shall be watching. John from Christchurch there. Uh, we might invite some other calls uh, on the various other franchises after we've left and if we've got time. Uh, meanwhile, we've got uh, Louis, Louis Herman Watt, of course, and Pip Morris from the TAB before 11. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt is in the studio uh, again for us. Uh, Tim Mills has put a fine card together at Rickerton Park tomorrow and Pukekohe as well are racing with a couple of good events. 
Yeah, can't wait to rip into Rick. I don't know what you've done to Joe Smithy, but he's playing your stings on time. He's like, you've whipped him into shape, so appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rickerton's got a great card tomorrow. Yep, they're on fire for the uh, the cup down there. Um, and Apapukakoi. Yeah, I love it. I love the meat. And I'm doing something I don't usually do, mate. I've got two bets in two races. I don't usually like to bet twice into the same race. Mick Guerin does it. I'm kind of always been like, oh, you're sitting on the fence. What a waste of time. But sometimes at certain fields, it's too good to not do it. Pinarello and titled in race six at Pukekohe. Uh, it's the Trelawney Championship Stakes, and it's a great group too. And I think Pinarello is the best horse and will probably win, but I think uh, titled was a super chance, an each-way chance, the way it finished off last start. And then the race before it, we're looking at apostrophe each-way for Robert James, uh, Robert Welder, I always do this, and Roger James, and also in the same race, Supreme Khan for Tiako. I think those four horses are all excellent chances, just happens that they're only split by two races. So I'm just having a ticket each way on both of them. Good on you, Louis. Have a great weekend, mate. Enjoy uh, the three days. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Pip Morris is at the TAB, and Pip uh, certainly uh, two Greyhound meetings uh, to talk about today. Uh, so can you give us one? Could you give us one as we head into the news? Good morning, Smithy. Look, I'm certainly hoping so. Palmerston off during the day. I want to turn the form around. Really like Hinton Minter. We're looking for a shorty for multis at 190. He's in race six. And in the last race, big time rider. He's at around $3.60. I think he's worth a play. And then for the harness side of things, Smithy, bonus back racing. Big night at Alexandra Park. And the favourites have been the best back in the first two races there. And a couple of big bets later on. 1.1k on Muscle Mountain at 250 in race nine. And $1,000 on Krug at 14s in race 8. Good on you, Pip. Have a great weekend. Really did enjoy you calling the Greyhound races the other day too. Uh, outstanding work. So, yep, we've got a busy next hour coming up. We're going to talk to David Dome. Big weekend for the Phoenix at Eden Park. Let's hope Auckland just turn up in their droves. Um, and uh, as well as that, we'll have a stump smithy uh, around about uh, 11.30. And we'll check in with uh, Mick Guerin as well with harness racing updates. Uh, heading into this busy long weekend. It is time though for the news. Here's Araha. Finally returned home following a 300 day exile across the ditch. Unfortunately, their homecoming wasn't as sweet as anticipated. As anticipated, of course, we know that. They, they lost 4 0 to the Central Coast Mariners in front of a very healthy crowd uh, at Sky Stadium. Now they turn their attention to Eden Park on Sunday uh, with a matchup that uh, they should. Well, I won't say should, but could well uh, get on the good side of. It's uh, great to be able to catch up with uh, the GM of uh, the Wellington Phoenix, David Dome, this morning uh, to talk about a few matters. David, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, nice to have you, Sue. And uh, it'd be even better, I would imagine, last week when you fronted up down there at Sky Stadium, there would be scarcely a more beautiful sight for you than yellow shirts on the pitch and in the stands. Yellow shirts on the pitch, in the stand, beautiful Wellington afternoon. Everything went right, um, except for the result, as you mentioned. Um, but so good to be back at home. We were, you know, it, it's good to have them. It's great, it's great for the players, especially to play in front of a large crowd. But to be able to get back and just give the fans so much of what they've been craving for all season, that was the most positive and the most heartwarming thing for us at the football club. And David, for a lot of those players, uh, particularly some of the signings, the recent signings, uh, their first taste of football on New Zealand soil and at home. 
Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it, when you think about it. Some of these players, they've been they'd signed to play for the Wellington Phoenix, the only professional football club in New Zealand, and they've never been, not only never been to uh, Wellington, but never been to New Zealand. You know, some of these, like Gail Sandoval and Nicholas Pennington, and even talking to Ollie Sale. I mean, Ollie Sale's an Auckland boy, but he's only played, he's played a lot of games for Wellington Phoenix now. There's only, there's only a handful have actually been in New Zealand because in the last two and a half years, we've been predominantly based in, in, uh, in New South Wales and Australia. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it just so great to be back home. And the, the players, they, they loved it. They enjoyed being back home. And again, they're, now they're looking forward to this game at Eden Park on Sunday, which is going to be huge for us as a club, as you mentioned. Yeah, it is going to be huge. And uh, I would imagine there's, I know there is a huge amount of football fans in Auckland. So I would be thinking you're looking forward to a crowd that would gazump the one that you had in Wellington, surely. We'd, we'd love to have more than 18,000. The, the sales in, in Auckland have been steady, if just a little bit behind Wellington. Auckland tends to be a little bit later in buying, um, so we're not quite sure. It feels like around about ten to 15,000 at the moment, but it could be more uh, on the day. And like I say, Aucklanders tend to buy quite a lot on the day. Um, so, yeah, look, we're looking... I mean, obviously, every single person counts in terms of the support for the team. Um, and, it, you know, it all makes a big difference. If you talk to the players, they'll say how much a, a crowd in Auckland or anywhere at home mm. crowd, the difference that it makes. And so we're looking for that to, to really get them behind the to push them across the line. So that's a 3.05 kickoff on Sunday afternoon against the Western Sydney Warriors. Uh, now, you lost to them, but it, it, it's like forever ago. It was uh, way back on December the 3rd, so I'm not sure we can read too much into that. Quite a lot has changed. Um, but what uh, apart, aside from the game, is there uh, anything else football planned, uh, is it, or is it just the Phoenix encounter? Yeah, the, 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 this game was only confirmed three weeks ago because of the impact of COVID and the reschedule. The and to be honest, we had to find a way to get the two teams into New Zealand because only recently have the, the borders open to allow us to get them in. So it's a little bit like we, we ideally we would love to have had um, a, a women's thing. We've now got our first professional women's thing. We, would, we wanted them to play in New Zealand, either in Wellington or Auckland, but their season finished before we could get back here. Um, but there is there's certainly activations that are happening around the game with Spark and Oslo, and they're giving away phones and all sorts of things in Spark at minutes. So there's some good stuff going on, but it's... Uh, there's only the one game at Eden Park at, at three o'clock. Okay, the team currently uh, sits fifth on the on the ladder, so uh, very very much in playoff contention. Uh, David, from that point of view, uh, further they went up the ladder. Of course, uh, are there advantages in that? I mean, is it possible a playoff game could be back in New Zealand, or are they consigned to Australia regardless? No, very much possible. So the top the top four essentially have home games. Uh, we are, like you say, we're fifth, but we've got two games on hand on Adelaide. We're only one point ahead of us. So we get into fourth space and we finish the, we finish the regular season in fourth. We have a home elimination final uh, in Wellington, uh, which would be massive. I mean, that's, that ends up being a massive home crowd and a huge advantage for us um, as the home team. So that's the objective, is to try and get into the four and remain in the four. Like, like I say, a couple of games in hand on um, Adelaide, who two games in hand and they're only one point ahead of us. So we win games now at the end of the season, and it's the home final for uh, for us in Wellington. Massively exciting, and a great incentive for the guys to play, uh, and for those fans as well. I, I would imagine that you, you might get a bit of a drift, a, a few Air New Zealand flights with yellow shirts on this uh, over the next couple of days from Wellington. Oh, I, I think undeniably. I mean, when we played in Sunday in Wellington, there were yellow shirts everywhere on game day, and there will no doubt there will be a, a fairly, I would say, healthy contingent of yellow fever coming up, as I always do. 
um, filling out that south stand uh, with the singing and the chanting and, and hopefully the shirt's off on 80 minutes. That's the plan. Um, I know a decent amount of them are coming up, but quite a few Aucklanders um, jump in there and buy in there as well because they want to be part of that active supporter zone because it is a lot of fun. Um, it's a very safe area even for kids. Um, but, yeah, it does, it does add all the excitement to the game, those guys, and, and the way they sing and chant the whole way through the game. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, absolutely. Uh, let's look at um, the next program then. Uh, of course, after this, back on the plane, back across the Tasman, passports out again. Uh, Melbourne Victory, West Sydney Warriors and Melbourne City. So not the easiest run in and three matches in 10 days, effectively. Yeah, that's the last three games of our season. Um, we, like, like you say, we've got the Wanderers here on Sunday and then the Wanderers away again. Now, Wanderers aren't travelling that well at the moment. Um, we, we got them fairly early on in the season when they were competing. They're less so now. They're below us on the table now. Melbourne Victory are, are up and down. Um, the thing with Melbourne Victory and both Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City, they're both in Asia at the moment. That's why we're playing them at the end of the season. So they'll be coming back from a pretty long um, Asian campaign in the Asian Champions League up there. They will probably be maybe a bit tired. We might be able to get them on the bounce. Um, and again, a couple of wins in those last three games away, and we should be right in the mix for the top four. Okay, let's look at um, uh, where you're at in your terms of, of planning. Uh, okay, this season is not over and done with. We know that, David. Uh, but uh, you're always looking ahead. Um, what about player retention, contract signing, uh, coach retention, all those sorts of things? How, how far down the track are you? Yeah, a lot of we've got quite a, uh, over fifty percent of the teams contracted for next season anyway, so we're in a good space there. We've got a lot of kids coming through our academy who are absolutely smashing it and, and turning into the next generation of of New Zealand's best players. So we're in a good space in that position. There are a few conversations. Ufi, who's the head coach, Ufakale, he's got another year on his contract, so he's locked in for another year. Um, we're in a good space there. There are a few conversations happening around a few players. But to be honest with Smithy, we've already started looking at um, next year and bringing in a bit new fresh blood and how we can refresh the team and make sure that we're uber competitive next year and, and you know higher up the table than we are now. Well positioned for next year. I think better than we have been in previous seasons. So pretty positive on that regard. So what kind of markets does, uh, does your budget allow you to look at? Well, it's a good question. So ultimately with the A-League, I mean, you're not up there with English Premier League or the Germany or Italy or even some of the Asian countries now are spending a lot on players. But it's where you can get value. And there certainly is quite a few good football players who are of value who aren't at that top level. But, and if we look at someone like Uli de Villa, who we brought in last year, a Mexican player, uh, wasn't getting time, was, was on loan from Chelsea, Ufi found him, spotted him, we brought him out, and he won, the, he won the prize or the award for being the best player in the league last year. And that's what you're ultimately trying to do. You're trying to find where is their real value. So there's a quality players who aren't getting time at their English Premier League clubs or their Bundesliga clubs or Serie A clubs. How do you find them and then bring them out to New Zealand and where they'll be the best player in the league? And that, that's where we position ourselves, and that's what we did last year with uh, Uli De Villa. Uh, it's interesting because uh, was it Perth signed Surridge and it hasn't uh, really turned out to be a, a great thing. He's going to be the marquee signing. So there is a danger, I guess, when you look at those players who are stepping down from higher levels that uh, at the way they have tra- the, the way they approach it, the, the opinion they've got, uh, are they just finishing their careers and cashing in while they can or is there a genuine desire yeah. to play football? And I suppose you've got to weigh that up, don't you? Well, you've got to be careful. I mean... T- some clubs go for the name players, and there are all sorts of players. Like Daniel Sturridge was, 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 was bandied around, to be honest, was bandied around all the clubs in the preseason. 
and we, we had one look at him and said, there's no way that we're bringing in, you know, a mid-30s or, or an early-30s-year-old player who is injury-prone. It just, it just it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, there are other players like Fernando Torres who have been banded around. I think Sydney got close to bringing him in. Now, he might be the sort of player... I mean, you have to look at their history. How many minutes do they play? How many minutes are they injured? Um, what is their goal ratio if you bring in a striker? What's their goal ratio? And, and, and ultimately you do the background check on their character. If we bring this player out, what's the character of the player? Is he going to be a prima donna or is he going to slip right into the culture of the club? And that's where you're relying on your, and your coach and, and his scouting network and, and his assistant coaches to do all that homework to make sure you get the right player out. And I've got to be honest with you, Daniel Sturridge was never even on our radar. We didn't even look twice at him um, because we, it's not the sort of player that we would look to bring in. We want a player who's going to come in and add real value, either as a scorer of goals or, a, or someone who's going to set up goals um, or add something that we don't currently have within um, our New Zealand players. And that's ultimately what we look for. And it fits in culture as well. That's very, very important. David, we've got a, a text just come in uh, while we're sitting here uh, from James, obviously uh, a Phoenix fan. He says, ask David if they are looking at extending Ufi's contract past na- next year. Are you in a position to comment on that? <laughs> well, look, those conversations, look, it, it's, sometimes what happens is when you talk to coaches, they go, look, I just want to get through this. My focus is on that. And that's right. So he's got another year, uh, over, all over a year now on his contract. Uh, once we start in the next season, that's when we start sitting down with Ufi and it's a, it's a broad discussion because what the coach wants to know is, okay, what's the club doing? What's its growth? Where is the investment going? Is there a channel for me to be, to be the best coach I can be? And that's when you, know, you sit down with him and the chairman and you go, right, what does this look like? What can we get? What, can you, you know, what do you want to bring to the club that we, that we really value? And then um, Ufi wants to know at the same time, how, how are you going to uh, improve my career, you know, improve my, what, what's happening with me? Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wide discussion. Certainly, you know, that, that discussion will probably start in the off-season, given that he's going mm. to last year of his contract, and then it will continue throughout the season. Cool. I hope that answers your question, James. Now, uh, I've got a, uh, another uh, a really pleasant issue. I, I, I call it pleasant. It's probably not the right adjective, actually, but a cool issue to talk about, and that's the women's team this year. Okay, they finished 10th out of 10. Um, I've been speaking to a couple of people across the Tasman in previous interviews who were absolutely glowing uh, and the effort of the Wellington women's Phoenix team this year under coach Gemma Lewis. Uh, it's been a little while since they've played. You've had a chance to get your head around how things went. Uh, a quick review, David? Oh, thrilled. Yeah, R- really, really thrilled by how they performed. Again, that was a team that was thrown together at the last minute because of the, the challenges we had to incur getting across the line with um, Football Australia and APL to a lesser extent, but got it done. Uh, a lot of very young players, a lot of very young, exciting New Zealand players, and these players really stepped up. Like some, some of these, some of these, these players are like 17, 18 years old. I mean, really, really, you know, inexperienced as well, but really stood up. Um, it took a little while to find their feet, but once they find their feet, found their feet, they were away. And uh, there are some real gems in that team. There are some real players who, no doubt, will. In fact, some of them have already stepped up to the national team, um, but there'll be many more in the next couple of years. And as a, as, a, as a project that we worked on with New Zealand football, we are looking for that next, next generation to bring through to be um, the, next, the next generation of football firms. But no, did really, really well uh, and challenging. Again, you know, stationed in, in New South Wales for a whole season. That, was, that would not normally be how we would have set it up. They should have been based no. in New Zealand and Wellington, but they weren't. And so again, I think, you know, really, really well done. And they performed on the field. They performed very well. They won two games, drew one. That was, you know, ahead of our expectations. 
they actually won more games than the next team above them. They just happened to finish at the bottom because of the, the, the other team got a few more draws. But no, very, very pleased. And, and Gemma, uh, Gemma Lewis did a fine job for you. Um, everything coming out of the camp seemed to be successful in that regard. So continuity is important, uh, I suppose, when you've got a fledgling unit. Uh, are you looking at continuity uh, in most areas? Yeah, we're looking at Gemma to run into next season as well. She's already, we've already had discussions about what that looks like. She's a bit like Oofy, wants to know how we're going to set it all up and um, the support structures we put around her when they're based in New Zealand, so we're working on that now. But yeah, we certainly expect her to roll into next season and get that, 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 that team across the line and start pulling together the team for next season um, right away. Um, yeah, continuity is important. And like you say, she's she performed very, very well for a very inexperienced coach as well. But, you know, once you've got a hit around it, what had to be done, you know, they were away. Got your corporate box full for Sunday? But you know what? It is. It's very full. It's more than we, we would normally have, to be honest. I, I don't know why people are sort of uh, more so this year than last year. Uh, but yeah, no, that's really encouraging as well that we've got a lot of people that are coming out to support the team, a lot of dignitaries coming along. Um, yeah, and, and it's from the overall, it's not just sports, it's corporates. Um, and, it's, you know, people from the council and the city and, and also people from um, uh, New Zealand football as well. So that's really exciting. That's cool, David. Hey, great catching up with you. I uh, like the positivity in your voice. Uh, great to see the guys at home reflect on the girls as well. And uh, good news is we will be covering it here on SENZ as well uh, through Ricardo Ball and Chris Milicic. So uh, we're giving it some serious attention too. So uh, best of luck for Sunday and for those remainder of games. Wouldn't it be great to have a playoff game at home? Oh, unbelievable. I'm convinced we'd get a massive crowd in Wellington. There'll be people travelling from yep. all around the country who'd want to be part of that. Totally agree, David. Thanks for your time this morning. It's been great. Thanks, Mother. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, David Dome there, General Manager of uh, the Wellington Phoenix. It is 11.18 here on SENZ. Uh, and we've got uh, a bit to get through before Staffy at midday. We'll take a short break. It is uh, 11.23 here on SENZ. Uh, and it's time to talk some uh, greyhounds, actually. In fact, uh, if you want to hear more about the greyhounds, you can tune in every Sunday from 11 to 12 on Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's hosted by uh, two greyhound experts and Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss a, a beat around uh, greyhound racing news on uh, Dog Speed. And uh, I'm pleased to say we're going to continue along that theme now and talk to uh, the one, the only, Jenny Bartlett. Uh, now, Jenny's been uh, involved with greyhounds for a number of times, former president of the Waikato Greyhound Racing Club as well. Uh, Jenny, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Smithy. Nice, to, nice to be part of your show. No, no, it's not. And uh, listen, tell, how, how did you get into greyhounds? And and uh, I mean, it's it's still a growing industry, and, and people wanting to know uh, about getting into it. How did you get into it yourself to start off with? Uh, basically, what happened, we were, there was quite a few of us up watching a, a local game of uh, rugby at, at Cambridge here at Hautapu Sports, and um, someone said, "Oh, we should get a horse." And then someone said, nah, too expensive. And someone said, well, let's get a greyhound. We can make a lot of money. So there's a whole group of us from, from How Tap These Sports, including Sharon, Ho- Sharon Hobbs and Neil Rutherford, Matt and um, Phil Cogswell. So a whole lot of us got into it. And we got this dog. And someone said, well, I know a trainer. So within about a month, this dog had arrived into the country and he was called Ivan Evans. So we thought we were going to have this absolute champion. Uh, first start at Cambridge, I think he ran seventh out of eight. So it wasn't quite the start that we were, we were thinking we were going to get. Um, and we had a lot. We had a lot of fun with him, and um, he got into a Group One final, and um, then he obviously retired, and, and that was it. And we sort of then no one really wanted to continue on with it. 
so I, that was really the start of it. it was it was really Ivan Evan. So he and I just got hooked on the bug with these amazing animals and just fell in love with them. So yeah. I would imagine that was quite a uh, social syndicate with uh, the name Hobbs and the names Ru- name Rutherford involved. Very, very, very social, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Jenny, let's let's talk about uh, your work behind the scenes as well, because uh, you have had a lot of projects, uh, including professional athletes retired, not rescued. Um, you got some rugs in uh, along that line. Yeah, that, that's that's an, an idea that we actually took from a friend of mine in the UK, Linda Bonner, who's involved with racing over there. And um, I just happened to see it on on um, Facebook one day, and I thought, what a great what a great message to get out because we are continually being bombarded in New Zealand with a greyhound. If you're walking a greyhound, oh, so you, is this a rescue dock? Well, no. What where, where would I have rescued it from? It wasn't tied to a tree. It wasn't being, you know, starved. Where did I rescue it from? And I just thought this was just such a good such a good message to get out there um and it, it gets it's a talking point as well so it, it's it's been very successful um when i thought we thought we'd bring in 70 as part of the waikato racing racing club i then approached greyhound racing new zealand and they said well we'll fund it so we bought in 70 and i thought well if we sell half we'd be happy those 70 went we bought another 70 they've gone and i think we've bought another 40 in which we're just about in as well so that that's that's just such a good message to get out there to the public and and that's really what what drives me to keep going is getting messages like that out and getting the correct message out to the public it seems to be a, a constant battle, doesn't it? Um, we see it uh, to a lesser degree, I think, in racing as well. And, and, and when I say racing, I mean perhaps jumps racing in particular. They're, they're talking about animal welfare all the time. Um, you, you're also involved uh, in a lot of uh, things, other things behind the scenes, the greyhound community, uh, online auctions, etc., cetera, uh, and very focused on rehoming of greyhounds. Absolutely. You know, and, and I mean, the one thing I really like to say here is if I didn't believe that what greyhound racing were going and doing in the right direction, I wouldn't still be involved, you know, 12, 14 years later when I have, since having Ivan Evan. So I, I know Greyhound Race New Zealand, the participants that are with, that have got, that own dogs, that train dogs, that look after the dogs, they're all trying to get this message out there, you know. So it's improving all the time. Animal welfare, again, you're definitely right. The horse racing's getting hit as well. But the thing is with it that, we are constantly looking to improve the animal welfare. And that's what one of the things that we run at, at Waikato, and this has been taken around the country, is what call, what's called an open day. And with the open days, we um, invite anyone who's got a retired greyhound or if people want to come and meet a greyhound, and that to come to the Waikato track. Our next one is on the 15th of May. And we invite them to come along, bring their dogs, walk the track, learn about the track, learn about everything to do in the day-to-day running of a greyhound at the racetrack, um, advising them just things like letting them know that we have a vet from 9 o'clock in the morning until the last dog leaves on the course. Well, people didn't even know that. So if we can get that sort of message out there and talk about the weights if the dog is up too much or down too much, if we can get that message out to them and one person takes it away with them, that's a win for us. And you can't... Uh... You can't preach to people along those lines unless you've done it yourself, and you do. Uh, over the years, have had plenty of retired greyhounds um, at home, haven't you? And what have you currently got? Ring the bell. Ring the bell on your yes, couch I at have. home. Now ring the bell. Ring the bell. Very successful dog. 
Yeah, hugely successful. Uh, he's the only dog that um, has won back-to-back silver collars. And for people that don't know, the silver collar is the biggest endurance race that is held in, in the um, New Zealand racing calendar for greyhounds. Um, it's over 779 metres, which is the extreme distance for greyhounds to run here in New Zealand. And he um, came over from um, Australia to do a bit of a raid on us, do the Aussie raid. Um, and he was unbeaten, I think, for about 12, 13 starts in New Zealand. And then after he'd won the first silver collar, he stayed on under the great training trainer um, of Ray Adcock, who brought him back and kept him going, and he won a, another silver collar. So, yeah, but, to, you know, to be honest with him, he's was one of the hardest chasers, and if you see him on Facebook, if you see him, uh, look at his races and that, he was just focused, total professional athlete, and he really was, because he left nothing on that track. But he came off the track, and he was just, just a cruiser, and that's exactly what he is as a pet. He's just just a cruiser. You wouldn't know that he was as looking at him. He's a little bit overweight now, but um, <laughs> you wouldn't know he was he was that he was that good a good athlete when you look at him and see how cruisy he is. And that's another thing. They make the most amazing pets. Fantastic pets. He sounds a bit like me. Slightly overweight. Spends a lot of time <laughs> on the couch. And spends a lot of time yeah, on the and, couch. And, and very and, and very content, Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> very content, uh, Jenny, and that at the end of the day in terms of their welfare, that is a very important point that you make right at the end there. Hey, Jenny Bartlett, been fantastic to hear uh, your bubbly attitude towards greyhounds uh, on my show. Uh, look forward to catching up at some stage, uh, but not in the same company as Hobbs and Rutherford. Is that OK? <laughs> Certainly. It'd be lovely to meet you again, Fuzzy. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jenny. Thank you. Uh, fantastic. Uh, it is 11.30 here on SENZ, and you know what that means, folks. It is time uh, to get some loot for the weekend and maybe some sleep drops as well. Uh, so dial up 0800 right now uh, and see if you can get some money from the TAB uh, to perhaps uh, turn into plenty over the weekend. The all-new SENZ is Kiwi for Sport. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Hey, there we go. And Quizmaster here, you're with us, Brian, you're with us? Yes, yes, got you now, mate, technical difficulties, I don't usually sit on this side, do I, Smithy? I'm uh, always no, away in the dark corner over there, but uh, it's a pleasure, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be there, and it is uh, stumped by Smithy time, as we were saying. Um, you can, uh, up for grabs today is the $50 TAB bonus bet, some sleep drops, daytime revived. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Now, Smithy... Are we looking for a stumping today? Yeah, I think we should. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to build up a bit of a pot, and, but I'm, mixed, I'm sort of tossing up also the fact that it's a long weekend and it's a time to celebrate uh, those uh, men that went before us and goodwill to men and, and uh, fellow New Zealanders, of course. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking I might go easy, but the competitor in me says, nah, stuff it. So you, you, who we got there today, Brian? Who so we first got? up, we have Anton from Auckland. You there, mate? Yeah, mate. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you feeling today? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Long weekend coming. 
Yeah, mate, should be a good one all around, all around. Good, some good sporting action on now. Uh, if you haven't played this game before, just quickly, how it goes is three sporting categories you get to choose from. Uh, you get any of the questions wrong. Smithy gets a chance to stump you. If you get uh, stumped, you're gone, and we're up to the next caller. Three questions. Uh, we can jackpot if he stumps everybody. Otherwise, you can win the $50 bonus bet and the sleep drops if you get the final answer correct. Now, uh, the... Categories today, New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games, Rugby Sevens and Association Football. What would you like to go with, Anton? Oh, that's a tough one. What did you say? Association Football? Yeah, soccer football, mate. Uh, um, I think I'll go Sevens. <sighs> Rugby Sevens. All right then, gentlemen, get your whites on. It's time for a spot of cricket. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really... And there I go, showing my inexperience by playing the wrong button. But here we go, we get into it. <laughs> Rightio, uh, Anton, Brian's just opening up the question book. I can see through my monitor here, Brian. Rightio, Rugby Sevens is the go of the day. Portia Woodman is on the cusp of becoming the first female player to score 200 tries on the World Series circuit. How many, how many does the Black Ferns star currently have? What is her current tally? Oh, on the cusp, you say. Uh, let's go with 195. Oh, I don't believe it. No. No. No, mate. No. No? No, Smithy? No, I can't believe it, for God's sake. How's that? You would have been all over that, right? Yeah, I was. I mean, I've been reading about it. I mean, we did an interview about it yesterday. I've been reading about it, for goodness sake. Oh, no, and there he goes. All right, question number two. The All Black Sevens have won the Rugby World Cup Sevens three times. What year was the first? <laughs> oh, this is get central here. Um... All Black Sevens first. First year they won oh. the Sevens World Cup. I don't even know how long it's been going. Or if it's every year or every four years. Uh, let's just have a stab and say... 2002. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, not correct. Over to you, Smithy. Bugger. Well, I reckon it's later than that. I'm going to go 2010. One of the worst things I have oh. ever Ooh. seen. Oh, you're still alive, Anton. You're still alive. Uh, the correct answer oh. is 2001 in Argentina. They beat Australia 31-12 in the cup Ooh. final. All right. right. Uh, on to the next and last question. The Blackburn Sevens won the 2018 Rugby World Cup Sevens in San Francisco. They rolled over the French in the final, but who did they narrowly beat in the semifinals to get there? You say they beat the French in the final? Uh, yes, uh, uh, they, they rolled over the French in the final, but who did they narrowly beat in the semis? Oh, Jesus. Who's a good woman to be I'm going to go with... Uh, let's go those bloody sealers from Australia. One of the worst things 
Oh, right. Okay. Let's uh, let's take this in. Um, and uh, I would be thinking either United States is a is quite of a, uh, a one there. I think United States, uh, England, Fiji, or perhaps Canada. I will go with the United States. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, oh no! In the slot and away it goes. Oh, mate, stumped on the final ball of the over. Thanks for playing Stump by Smithy. Oh, cheers. Cheers, guys. Good work for me. <laughs> cheers, Anton. Absolute guess, honestly. I've put those three in the hat and uh, ran them around. Uh, so, uh, sorry, I can't give any money away uh, to Anton uh, for the long weekend. But the good news is when we come back next week, we will have a jackpotted amount to play for. So next time it's up for grabs, uh, 100 bucks plus uh, a price. Uh, the sleep drops from the TAB. So uh, goodbye to Anton. Have a great weekend. We'll be back very shortly. Uh, looking forward to uh, our harness racing for the weekend and the shows that Mick Guerin will be involved with here on SENZ. On SENZ. It is 11.44 here on SENZ. Uh, and on Sunday at uh, 12 o'clock noon, of course, you can join uh, Mick Guerin and Greg O'Connor uh, for their coverage of all things uh, harness racing uh, across New Zealand. And that uh, will be incorporated with some harness racing tips as well. Uh, that's on Trot's Talk, so 12 to 1. Uh, all thanks to the people at uh, Harness Racing New Zealand. And uh, we've got uh, one of those gentlemen on the line right now, uh, and Mick Guerin. Good morning to you, sir. First thing I'd like to do, Mick, is give... It's been a while. It's been, um, it's been over, <laughs> over a week, actually. But uh, what has uh, been the feedback on the race as, a, as, a, as an entity? Yeah, hi, Smithy. I hope you're well. I hope your listeners uh, have started their Friday well. It's been, it's been huge because, as we both know, you can start a new anything. You can start a new footy competition, a new cricket competition. You can start anything. And you can build up hype through the media and you can hope things go well, but you can't control the actual event. As an event, and I'm not just talking about the social aspects, but as the actual race unfolded, not only was it won by our best horse and our best trainer driver, self-assured of Mark Purden, but it was also had competitive Australians. They ran second. It was a close finish, which is good in any form of sport. And it was exciting. And Spitty, you go to lots of sports events these days, and sometimes it feels like you're going through the motions. Last week looked like this week and vice versa. But... This was a different feel altogether. It was very young, but the sponsors' grins got behind it and made it fun. The Australian trans-Tasman thing, which we don't see a lot of in any sport over the last two years, it all just gelled. And sometimes you go, this works. The best example for obviously being the Caracamillion. The Caracamillion at Ellerslie just works. Now, this isn't that, but it was a smaller version of that, and it felt really cool. So, look, couldn't have been a better start. Now, their job, Ian, is to, to make it better. And I think they will next year. Next year it will move, this is the slot race at Cambridge, to a Friday night, which tends to suit people better because last week it was Good Friday, so they couldn't um, continue partying too late. And they'll add a trotters race, I think, for three or 400000 So this ability to fund races from inside the industry, uh, I think, is really important. And um, yeah, well done to everybody involved, Smithy, but... Again, as you know, because you're on here every day, these things happen. 
you enjoy them and then you move on because there's more races tonight. You spot there's more footy and more cricket and it never seems to stop, which is part of the fun smithing, but also means you don't get to enjoy them quite as much as maybe you should. No, and, and you're right, uh, it does carry on and there is a new night tonight and that is at Alexandra Park. There's also racing this afternoon beginning around uh, midday in Invercargill. There's 10 races there, but there's 10 at Alexandra Park uh, and Mick, they raced for 900000 last week uh, tonight it's 100,000 bucks, uh, a very similar field in the Dawson Harford Limited Taylor Mile. Uh, and of course, uh, self assured in the race is uh, a relatively warm favourite. Uh, and uh, looking at Spankham being not too far behind him, so stable. It's a funny one, Smithy. It's basically the same field as last week, and Self-Assured's got the same draw, so you could go, well, I expect the same result. The big difference is last week was 2,200 metres, this week's a mile. Now, over a mile for harness racing, it's like 1,200 metres for gallopers. They jump and they run and they do not stop. Now, last week over 2,200 metres, they had to ease up in the middle stages and self-assured was able to get around and sit parked and be too good. But I think he struggles to do that tonight. Now, I'm not saying he can't win and I'm not trying to tell people not to back him, but I don't want to back him. I think he goes back at the start. I can see it being a really tricky race where he could go enormous and get beaten. So I'm not backing him. I don't particularly like anything to beat him. Spankham's the logical one, but the start's going to be crucial here. Uh, the emotional aspect to the race will come from number three, Krug, trained by Cran and Chrissy Dalgetty, Cran's father, Jim Dalgetty, a legend of New Zealand harness racing, passed away on Wednesday. And they have applied successfully to Harness Racing New Zealand for Krug, one-off tonight, to wear Jim's famous orange and green colours. So, um, great race. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then straight after that, that's at 9 o'clock. At 9.30, we have Sunday Sun. Now, he's the best trotter in Australasia, Smithy, as you well know. And he's up against Muscle Mountain. And again, it's a race where the favourite can get beaten because... I don't see him being able to lead. Now, if he trots to the lead at $1.80, you just take the money and have a party weekend. But I don't see it happening that way. So a tricky race tonight for the two best harness horses in the country. I think they're both beatable. They may both well win Smithy, but I can't tip the punters into backing them because I think they're tricky races with extremely difficult barrier draws. Mm, very interesting and uh, the quality just keeps rolling on, Mick, uh, as it does with you guys on the radio over the weekend. What have you got lined up? Mate, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, myself and their host, Louis Herman Watt, are going to be on previewing the gallops. Now, racing in Auckland now moves to Pukekohe. We know that Ellerslie's the big dance, but Ellerslie's closed, Smithy, and starting tomorrow, Pukekohe starts a run for about 18 months of being the home of Auckland racing with occasional dalliances at Avondale, they race there on Monday. It's going to be big, Smitty. They've got a big meeting tomorrow. And some people in Auckland think, oh, I don't really want to drive to Pukekohe. Well, if you want to see live racing for the next 18 months and the gallops, it's probably going to have to be that. Looking forward to the day there. The Easter is one of the great punting races of the year. We'll preview that in the morning, get the expert opinions, and most importantly, the track conditions. They also have a big day at Canterbury. They have a $100,000 race down there at Rickerton, where in two weeks, Smithy, they start racing on the synthetic track. So a lot going on in Canterbury Racing. We'll talk to Tim Mills about that tomorrow. And, of course, the good oils tomorrow afternoon for racing fans who want a bit of humour 
And then 12 o'clock, as you mentioned, on Sunday. We'll review tonight at Alexandra Park, talk about harness racing issues, and look back on the life of Jim Galgetti. So busy old weekend here on the home of racing in New Zealand, SENZ, and of course, the home of the slot winners, the, the slot-holding winners from the race last week where the trophy sits proudly in the Auckland studio. SENZ got on board <laughs> early, and they got the job done. Fantastic. In fact, it does. I've seen this, the trophy. It's sitting right smack bang in the middle of Mark Stafford as we speak. So uh, there you go, Mick. Uh, thank you very much. A lot of emotion, I'm sure, over the weekend with the reflection uh, for the Dalgetty family as well. Look forward to uh, all your good work. Have a great weekend, man. You too, too, bro. See you, mate. Cheers, uh, Mick Guerin there, of course. Uh, and yes, and said same, Staffy is just around the corner, um, basking in the glory of that slot win, of course. Uh, with a big show coming up this afternoon, our show, of course, in conjunction with Polaris, um, our side-by-side partners. Uh, just uh, get hold of your Polaris dealer, and <clears throat> maybe you can get the use or trial a general for the weekend, a Polaris general. It is 11.52 here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.